0: Good morning. It's so good to be in worship with you, if you're on Zoom or in person. Yeah, glad we can be together. Um, It's so good to see Lucas and Anna Bowserman. If you don't know, Lucas and Anna have been in China for how long, Alec? Almost six months. And so we praise God that they were able to come back and and came back safely. Um, Also, So, I'm about to tell you something, but you have to keep it a secret. This is the birthday of the two most important women in my life, my mom and my wife. (laughs) And you have to keep it a secret because they would hate if I told you this in front of them. So, no, but I'm so glad. This is a full day uh, for church. We'll be together this evening for Amelie Pellerin's baptism, uh, uh, another powerful event of God working in, in someone's life, and so we look forward to doing that together this evening. I hope you can be there, too. Now, for the at least the next couple of weeks, we're going to focus on readings from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12. I don't know if you re- will remember this, but the Apostle Peter actually wrote in one of his letters, some of the things that Paul says are hard to understand. <laughs> A little New Testament humor there. Romans is probably the reason he said that about Paul. It's the most sweeping and theologically robust letter in the New Testament. Now, Paul spends 11 chapters exploring the depths of God's mercy towards humanity through Jesus Christ. Then in chapter 12, he begins exploring the kind of life that one should live in response to God's mercy. Now, if there's one way of summing up the kind of life that God's mercy should invoke or evoke from us, it's this, a sacrificial life. Listen again to what Paul says in verse 1, Romans 12. I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable service. So Paul urges us to respond to God's mercies in the only reasonable way possible by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. So a Christian life is characterized by sacrifice and sacrifice ultimately is an act of worship. This is what people in the ancient world would do. They would offer a sacrifice in worship to God. Now, what does this look like? In our lives now, how do you offer your body as a sacrificial act of worship to God? In this passage, Paul says that sacrificial living involves two things, something to resist and something to receive. Something to resist and something to receive. Here's the first part of verse 2 again. Do not be conformed to this present world. This is something to resist, the squeeze of the present world. The idea of being conformed to something here, it comes from the idea of a mold. It's used to squeeze something into a specific shape. And Paul says that the present world is a kind of mold that seeks to squeeze us into its image. And we have to consciously resist it for that not to happen. Now, you have to be careful when you hear the word the world in the Bible. That's actually two words, excuse me. You have to be careful when you hear the word world in the Bible. One minute you hear that God so loved the world, he gave his only son. But then the next moment you hear, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Obviously, there are different meanings to the word world in the Bible. Here, Paul is using a word that we get, the word aeon, aeon. Now we we don't use this word a whole lot, but when we do, we're usually talking about a time frame that feels like forever, even if it's not quite forever. So if you're a middle schooler, being in middle school feels like forever, like an aeon, even though it's not. Right now, coronavirus is beginning to feel like forever forever even though it's not going to be forever. Election season, too, can feel like forever when you're in the midst of it. But it's not forever either. Paul is talking here about the current era of existence. And he's saying, even though it feels like forever, it's not. There's a new era that's being ushered in through Jesus Christ, a new kingdom, a new world. And not only is the current era temporary, it's also backwards. In Galatians, Paul describes it as the present evil age. Despite real beauty and goodness, I mean, isn't this spectacular? You need to hold on to this for when we're in November and December and you're needing your coats. Despite real beauty and goodness in the world, sin, death, and the devil still ravage it. Paul says that to live sacrificially... We have to resist the squeeze of the current aeon that tries to mold us into its image. And the hard part is we're immersed in the current aeon. So like a frog in hot water, we don't always know when the temperature's rising on us. It happens slowly, subtly. So David Foster Wallace was a writer who years ago gave a college commencement speech that became quite famous. In it, he told this little parable illustrating how difficult it can be to resist the tide of the world around you. And you may have heard it before. Two fish are swimming along one morning. An older fish passes them and says, Morning, boys. How's the water? And one of the younger fish looks at the other and says, What's water? Being conformed to the present world is like being a fish in water. It can feel entirely natural. It's much easier than the other option, which involves conscious resistance. Let me give an example where resisting the squeeze of the world takes conscious effort. There are many good examples, but I'm going to stick with one. Consumerism is an idol of our age, our aeon that we live in in the Western world. We think of it mostly in terms of buying things, but it's much more pervasive than that. It defines our aeon. We consume through news, social media, streaming television. We consume food and drink in excessive amounts. And sex itself has become a matter for consumption rather than relational intimacy, giving one's entire life to another Consumerism is about having a tank that's never full. We constantly need more of something. But how bad is it really? It doesn't sound like one of the big bad sins. The problem is that consumerism molds us into the world's restless image. So the average person in the United States spends two and a half hours on some form of media per day. And studies are showing that this increased time immersed in media correlates with a measurable loss of empathy, the ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Instead, we're angrier, less patient, less kind toward those who differ from us. Our whole culture lacks a capacity for civility, mutual respect, Our present age has created an enormously powerful, constantly immersive moral environment that contrasts with the world of God and his kingdom. The stories of the world overwhelm the two or three hours a week at best that Christians spend in worship or study in the church. Think about the way that your time is distributed through the week between being immersed in the narratives of this present world versus the narratives of Christian faith, which narratives based on time distribution are more powerful in your life? The narratives of the world, this present age or the narratives of God and of his kingdom, which narratives are more powerful in your life? Now here's the other important question for families Which narratives are more powerful in your children's lives? There is no way that an hour or two, a week of worship, maybe with a small group added on, is sufficient to counter the impact of the world's stories that are coming at us all week long. We passively imbibe them through the media that we attend to, through the shows that we watch, through the stories that we read. So conscious resistance is required to resist the world's squeeze. Now this can sound like a kind of fundamentalism that a lot of modern people resist, Like Christians are always needing to play defense. We have to build walls around ourselves and shut the world out. But that's not actually the response that Paul calls for. He says that sacrificial living means there is something to resist the squeeze of the world, but there's also something beautiful to receive. We are to receive the renewal of our mind that comes from the Spirit of God. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, he says. Now, to really grasp what this is saying, There's another part of Romans that you have to be aware of. Way back in Romans chapter 1, Paul summarizes the problems with our present world. He says that even though humans were created to worship God, we exchanged the glory of God for all sorts of other idols. What did God do about this when humanity chose to worship idols rather than him? Well, he allowed humans to do it. God let humans have their way. God gives freedom. He doesn't force love. But he allows us to choose. So what's the result of this? Paul says that the mind of human beings has become depraved. So that humans do things that should never be done. Rejection of God, he says, results in a worthless mind. A mind that's incapable of assessing the truth about God and about the world. Now here... In chapter 12, Paul is telling us what God does to remedy to the situation. God brings renewal of the minds of humanity. When we receive the renewal of the mind, we can begin to discern the things that are good. The things that are truly pleasing to God and that are wholesome. The renewal God affects enables us to become more alive, more fully human, not less. But this transformation Here's something important to note about it. It's not something we do for ourselves. Other religions might say, resist the bad stuff, do the good stuff. But that kind of religion allows us to stay addicted to an illusion that we actually have complete control over our lives. We don't. Part of maturing as a human being and as a Christian is learning to receive the things from God that only God can give us, that we can't give ourselves. The word transformed, the only other time that Paul uses this word is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. And listen what to what he says there. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God's mercies in Christ are what bring us into relationship with him. We love because he first loves us. He forgives our sins. He welcomes us into his house of love. And it's only when we continue to behold him in his love that the Holy Spirit continually floods our minds with his renewing light. So a caterpillar, we know this from nature, don't we? A caterpillar submits to a cocoon and it comes out transformed. God asks humanity to submit our lives to the spaces where he does his transforming work in us. We develop practices of devotion, kinds of cocoons, worship, scripture reading, prayer, and Christian community. We stop consuming things that misshape us, and we consume instead the stories that help us to see God in his beauty and in his love. And together, through the power of the Holy Spirit, these practices counteract the stories of the world. God uses these practices to bring transformation into us. He makes us into new people, new creations. So a sacrificial life means that there is something to resist the squeeze of the world. But it's not a matter of spending all our energy resisting the present world. There's also something wonderful to receive. The renewal of our minds through the power of the Holy Spirit. What God wants for us is that we would spend more of our lives receiving his renewal. So that when we can then test the things and choose the things that are truly good and beautiful and full of life. That's what the end of this passage says. So that you may be able through testing to discern the things that are good and true and whole. This is what God wants for us. So, I want you to ask yourselves, right now, it is so easy right now to spend much of our lives consuming, consuming information about what's going to happen in the next few months. What's the future going to be like? So are you resisting the squeeze of the world that comes through imbibing its narratives? Are you letting it squeeze you? Form you into its mold? Won't you change your habits so that you can begin receiving the renewal of your mind through the Holy Spirit? If you don't spend time in scripture during the week, won't you do that? Won't you begin to really accept the fact that that will change your life in better ways than anything else that you can do with your life? By simply sitting down And praying during the day. And reading scripture. Won't you accept that the Christian community that you could spend time with. Will change and form your life in better ways than just about anything else that you can do. We feel the frenzy of the world so much of our lives. Like we are called in all sorts of directions and all of them are important. But that's an illusion. They're not all important on the same level. The most important things that you can do with your life include giving yourself to God in the practices that God has promised that he will give himself to you in those things. That he will change you and make you into the person that you really long to be. Won't you give yourself to those things? It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.